back to another episode of the Mixed Witches podcast. It is Ryan's turn to go first today. Super excited. That means I get to sit here and do my uh, knitting while you talk. Oh my gosh, you were knitting. <laughs> I know, it's it's a it's a thing now. I already knitted a you know, scarf. It's good to have hobbies. Yeah, I already knitted a scarf. I'm knitting a second baby blanket. Like it's just a thing. Didn't mean We're for now it to together in solidarity. <laughs> I now have chicken katsu. Ugh. It's like we're together. Uh, chicken katsu. I haven't <laughs> had any since I got here. I should though. Maybe that's what I'll eat since I haven't eaten today. I'll go find some chicken katsu. Well, I don't bring us chicken katsu. That's <laughs> <laughs> what this episode's about. But continuing on with the houses. We're at the second house in astrology. So the second house is the house of possession. And its natural ruler is Taurus and Venus. Which is probably why Tauruses are I'm not offended. It's true. (laughs) Accurate. Accurate information. So the second house reflects our sense of Emotional security and material security. House of possessions is not just material possessions, but it is the things you possess. The things you own up to. Well, what do you own up to? Your emotion. This is the house of, like, money most of the time when people describe it, and they really kind of gloss over it. And I wasn't going to put it in there until I was for sure that it was accurate, but when I skimmed through the other houses, I was like, yeah, there's nowhere else this could go. So I suppose this has... I don't want to tell you guys lies. <laughs> lies and slander. Well, most people talk about lies and slander. All the slander. <laughs> well, most people talk about the second house. They don't talk about the emotional security. So it speaks to what we own including our feelings and emotions, as well as our inner selves, our abilities, our needs, and our wants. All very Taurian. It is also the house of worth and value, as in how you see worth and value and what you place those things on. Sort of like, what do you consider to have worth and value and why? The second house is... Also tied to specific possession, as in, and which is normally what people talk about, your earned income and your ability to influence it, your investments, and your movable property, which would be cars, clothing, jewelry, houses, whatever. Also, your debt, because it's something people owe. Honestly, though, it feels like it owns you. <laughs> <laughs> 
the second house also pertains to how we view money, the acquisition of wealth and debt, financial reversals, savings, budgeting, and financial status. So it is understandably mostly the money house. It is a little bit deeper than that, though, because it does go into your perception of money and riches and wealth. And, of course, the emotional connection to those things, which makes sense because your emotions are tied to what you do for a living and how you make money, how you see your possessions. Some people, you know, if your house were to burn down, they wouldn't be too sad about it, and some people would literally want to off themselves. Not saying good or bad or whatever, I'm just saying that's sort of where we're at. Like, it depends on how you see if you're going to be stingy or if you're going to be generous, stuff like that. And of course, our abilities, our needs, and our wants influence how we make money. So it's all tied together. Now, if you have planets in your second house, and whatever sign rules your second house, or signs, you're going to have multiple signs in your house. Well, like two. I say multiple. You're going to have, like, two. <laughs> you're going to have two in a house. But those all influence, you know, these things. I happen to have my moon in my second house, which means double on the emotional part. Most people could be kind of lackadaisical about their finances, but my moon said no. Your moon said My psych. moon said our emotions are tied to our money. I'm like, okay. Thanks. <laughs> I hate it. No, literally, I hate it. <laughs> I also have Pluto in my second house, which is the planet of control. So... That's what I'm dealing with. <laughs> I sound very sad because I am sad. I'm just like, okay. I sound very it's not sad the because I want it's in true. this house. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's ruled, but my sign in my second house is Sagittarius. So I suppose that is the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> there could be. I could have a worse sign there, and I think Sag is a good sign because it's a very boisterous and generous sign, which can be. Because mm -hmm. you could be too generous. Yeah. And sometimes I am. <laughs> sometimes I blink and it's like, where'd the money go? Where the fuck? <laughs> I had money. It's not here. <laughs> I had money. I don't have any more. But my second house is a little bit. A little bit much. But I'm figuring it out. I like studying the chart. And of course, it'll be, as we move on in this, because there are 12 houses, when you get from 7 to 12, they are going to be juxtaposed to the first six houses. So, the eighth house also has to do with money, but in a different way. Same as when we did the first house, the seventh house has to do with everybody else, and not you, because the first house is you. This house is your money. The eighth house is money in a different way. But I find it interesting this is the house of investment and debt. Because there's a little bit of that in the eighth house as well. But just slightly different. 
it also could inform if your second house, depending on what planets and what signs are there. Like, if you own multiple pieces of property, or if you feel the need to have just one piece of property, stuff like that. Do you have more than one car? Do you have one car? Do you ride that car to the ground where <laughs> you get a different car? How much clothes do you have? Are you a minimalist? Are you a maximalist? Do you have a lot of debt? Do you have no debt? That's all in this house. So if you're struggling in that area of your life and you believe in astrology, look at that house. Look at what's in that house. There are particular signs that also have to do with money, particularly earth signs. So you can also look at those signs and what houses they rule. But that's a little bit complex. But just bare bones, you can look at your second house. Maybe your eighth house, but your second house for sure about like if you're having money troubles or if you're not having money troubles, maybe where else do you go with your money? It'll tell you. Should you make investments? All that stuff. So that's what I have for second house. Hmm. Very simple. The houses don't have much. They're not like the signs and the planets that where it's a shift in information. The houses are pretty like succinct. The houses are like, this is what I am. And if you don't like yeah. it, you got to deal with it. Yeah, it's like this is it. We can't make we can't make a mountain out of a molehill. <laughs> what it is? Those people will try. It's just all I can say. Just sigh. <laughs> what do you have? I am going to talk about honey today. Honey. And I know we've talked about it like in passing a couple other times, especially with like the oh, fire no. cider. I started thinking of the Abba song. The what? The honey, honey, honey. <laughs> honey, honey. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I love that song. It's a good song. Good shit. So my topic is going to also be pretty short and succinct. Like, honey's kind of straightforward. It doesn't have a whole lot of things it does. It kind of just does... It, it does this one big thing that translates into a bunch of small things. But anyway, so Honey's is like stupid old. <laughs> it's the oldest sweetener used by man. It was and still is highly valued and was once used as currency, tribute, and offerings. The first written mention of Honey dates back to 2100 B.C., from Sumerian and Babylonian writings, the uh, Hittite, which I didn't look that up, Hittite Code, and sacred texts from India and Egypt. There's also a, like, cave painting. One day. There's also cave painting paintings in Spain depicting people foraging for honey, which date, dates back 8,000 years. So, fucking old. An old bitch. And the Bees have been working their ass off for thousands of years. Literally. Honey also comes from the English word hanig. H-U-N-I-G. Just some trivia, I guess. <laughs> anyway. I use yeah. honey in a lot of my spell work. Like, when I'm doing spell work, because I haven't been recently. But anyways, I use honey in a lot of my spell work, and I actually... I actually, 
That's not a word. I actually, I I actually currently have a jar of honey on my altar because bitches respectfully love honey. Yes, Aphrodite, I was talking to you, trying to drag you in, trying to help me out. (laughs) Anyways, honey has a lot of mundane and metaphysical uses, which I'm going to go into. I didn't write everything down because I'm not going to take that long. These are the mundane uses. This is coming from healthline.com. So you have allergy relief. So lightly filtered raw honey still has pollen in it. So consuming the local honey can help build up your immunities for the season. Uh, And you can also do this by infusing honey with like local herbs from the area. Honey is a cough suppressant, a natural cough suppressant, and it helps ease a sore throat. Uh, That's why your grandmother probably told you that when you were sick to drink some warm water with honey and lemon in it because it was good for you and it did what it was supposed to do, which is help your sore ass throat. On top of that, honey is rich in antioxidants, which help promote your body, promote, protect your body from a lot of different things, like lots of things. It's good for you. Fucking eat honey. Anyway, raw honey specifically is going to be the best for you. Anyway, it's also antibacterial and antifungal. So honey naturally contains hydrogen peroxide, which is an antiseptic. And though this varies depending on the honey, uh, like all honeys have some level of hydrogen peroxide in them. Naturally occurring, nobody put it there. Nature said honey's gonna be the thing. Is that why they say to put it on? I might be getting to that. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) And while it kills germs, it can also aid in tissue regeneration. And honey is also an anti inflammatory. So it can help ease acne, bug bites. And topically, you can use it for burns. It's good for shit. Just just use it. Just use it. I don't know how many times I'm going to say that (laughs) this episode. But yeah, you can use it topically to help um, ease, like, if you get a sunburn, it'll help ease the pain of the sunburn. And that's all. The anti-inflammatory is also why it helps with a sore throat. So going on from the mundane, wait, what did you say? Did I, did I get to what you were talking about? Yeah. Okay. Going on. (laughs) We're going into the metaphysical now. So the correspondences for honey are planet is the sun and Venus. The element is fire. The metal is gold. The day is Sunday. And the deities it relates to are Aphrodite, Apollo, Demeter, Ra, and these are not deities, they're spirits, but fairies. Honey can be used for a variety. Honey can be used for a variety of things, especially when combined with other herbs. And when it is used in a spell, it's supposed to enhance the results of the spell. 
Some of the medical, me, medical, metaphysical uses can be for love, healing, and money specifically. All in all, though, honey can be used to sweeten the magic in your spell work, quote, unquote. <laughs> I saw that fucking everywhere today. It was on everything. <laughs> sweeten your spell work. Mundanely and metaphysically, honey is an attractant, so your intent is going to play a big role when you're using honey. Well, an attractant and a sweetener. You guys get it. It's the point. (laughs) Even before I knew anything about honey, I would use it with pretty much all of my spell work, specifically for love and health spells, but there are... Honey's also good for, like, abundance spells, which is what I'm going to be playing around with next because I just opened up an account for stocks, and I'm like, I need some help. So we're going to get some of that honey magic in there. If you search for spells... What? That I was also looking at stocks for one reason. They're confusing. They confuse the shit out of me. Yeah, they're alone. If you search for spells with honey in them, you'll find a lot of, like, honey jar spells, which is a hoodoo practice. You can also find them in voodoo sometimes, but I've mostly seen them in hoodoo. And you can also use honey in candle magic, which is how I've previously used it. And then I found some other simple spells that I don't have to, like, go hard into. And that is to put some honey on your lips, to speak more sweetly, fold some honey under the corner of a piece of paper to keep something at bay, or put on the back of your hand to gather up negative energies and then wash away at the end of the day. And that's what I have for honey. This one was a real short boy. Yeah. (laughs) That way we had so many fairies in the house. <laughs> they were literally like, y'all have all this honey, what do you mean we're not invited? Oh my god. And I just thought about all the honey that I have in here now. Oh shit. Oh. They're gonna come back. They're gonna be back. I got my door. They they can use it. It's fine. It's been set up this whole time. <laughs> they said, knock, knock, where's the honey? Knock, knock, I want that honey, bitch. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> they are pretty aggressive. Yeah, they can be. What what media do you have for us today? Well, so we're talking about money. First thing I thought of, dead serious, was spirited away. <sighs> My heart. <laughs> Because I just remember all of the gold coins that are just coming out of no phase. Oh my god. (laughs) No phase. All he do is give money. That's all he do. Yeah, but he wants you in in return. Well, well, he didn't, you know what? He didn't walk in and say what he was paying for. So... (laughs) You didn't have to take the money. <laughs> so, Spirit Away is a Studio Ghibli movie. It's Japanese. We have talked about Mr. Ghibli. Mr. Ghibli. 
let me just let me back up a second. Yeah, take a sec. We, we have talked about Studio Ghibli before when we talked about Ponyo. Back at it. Spirited Away. Spirited Away is about another young lady. I was going to say woman. I'm like, that's too much. Yeah, another she's young not there lady. Yet. She's 10 in that and movie. Another, so. and a, yeah, well, another young couple. Because Ghibli is like, how about we do romance, but make them children? How about we do romance, they don't get together at the end because they're children, and then we leave it open-ended for you to figure out, and it's like, Ghibli! God damn it. (laughs) You didn't have to do it like this! So, our young protagonist finds herself with no parents because they got turned into piggy people. Their own Which fault. honestly, seeing that scene still traumatizes me to this day. It's traumatizing, but you know what? They fucking deserved it. So they did. But it's just so. It's just. I remember seeing it on Cartoon Network like the first time and going, "Oh no, oh no, what is all this?" Oh no, no, no. <laughs> and it still kind of spooks me. It seems creepy to me. You know, Spirited Away is re- not Spirited Away, but Studio Ghibli's really good at that. Like, it's a wholesome movie, but you got some spooks in there. You're gonna get creeped out. You're very good out. at doing stuff that's like, like unsettling. Yeah, I mean, we have Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, My Neighbor Totoro. There's oh, some unsettling yeah. scenes in there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would say Howl's Moving Castle. Mm. For sure, for sure. His feathers. Gra- uh, Grave of the Fireflies. That oh, whole movie. We don't even talk about that movie. We don't even talk about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, our protagonist does all this work in order to get her parents back. And there is a character named No Face who starts to spend money at this place. Oh, there's a big-ass baby in the movie. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is. There's a man with multiple arms. There's just a lot of mythicalness. Yeah. If you enjoy some, like, Japanese folklore-type stuff, you'll like Studio Ghibli in general, but they do do a lot of movies that are not in Japan. But they are very good about kind of trying to do some Japanese lore. Maybe if you did more research on it that I didn't do, you would know <laughs> more about it. But there's also a boy. He's also a dragon. Kohaku. Haku. <laughs> He's the also a river. My childhood. <laughs> no. No, but kind of. <laughs> <laughs> He's a boy. He's a dragon. He's a river. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot to drop on them <laughs> and uh it's very um I don't want to spoil anything but it's very good and of course she's successful at the end she saves her parents <sighs> I'm just having a moment thinking of, thinking of <laughs> I know I just bought a DVD player like a small one one of those ones you can plug into your computer so that I can watch all of my Studio Ghibli movies 
I'm, like, super excited. Oh, man, you know that, that airplane movie, too. Not Porco Rosso, but the other one. Oh, uh, maybe Porco Rosso. Wind Rising. I mean, he is a pig person. Yeah, yeah he, is a, he is a pig person. But Yeah, Wind Rises. That has some interesting airplane scenes. Maybe a little bit spooky. It's, it's very um, interesting on, like, the visualization aspect of it. But I would say, I think Spirited Away is sort of like the most mythological of the movies, or one of the most. For sure, for sure. A lot of creatures and magic and... Besides, um, like, it's Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke for me that I would say are like the most, most mythical. Yeah. Very spiritual, too. Yeah, most, like, Japanese folklore. Love them. But, yeah, kind of ties into the second house, because all I remember is just him throwing money at everybody. (laughs) At everybody. Man, and does that bite everybody in the ass later. Love it. Well, as it should. They shouldn't be greedy. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, if you, don't, the, you know what? The movie is a very good moral on greed. Well, that was the whole it's point. I was just about to talk about that. Like, the whole moral of the story is about the greed of people. And it's... I remember um, reading about it. Uh, reading about what Hayao Miyazaki said about it when I was a kid. Because I saw it in theaters in, like... You know, I got it for Christmas, and I was so excited when I was a kid. But yeah, it, it, it's it's a moral story about greed, and I love it. Yeah, it's a classic. Like, when you say Studio Ghibli and Hayao Miyazaki, that's one of the first Yeah. The, the scene that I usually remember very, very vividly and always with uh, that has no face in it is the one scene where she's running through the hallways um, and she runs into him the first time, not when he's chasing her. When she runs into him the first time and he tries to entice her in by trying to give her all these gold pieces and she's explaining to him, I don't need it. Like, I don't, I don't need it anymore. Like, I don't, I don't need your money. I don't need your gold. Like, I only needed it that one time and I'm good now, essentially. And then he just, that's when he freaks out. But <laughs> I think that's a very, yeah. uh, like, the biggest moral portion of that story is the fact that she doesn't take it because she doesn't need it. Right. It takes a lot, like, for a child to be like, well, what am I trying, I'm trying to get my parents. What am I doing with this? I don't need that. <laughs> How's that going to help me? Yeah. My parents. My parents, Haku. Are they a cure? Everybody. Like. <laughs> and then even so then. Cure them? Like, like, what is this? Like, <laughs> even then, because she has that, um, you know, that cure that the river spirit gave her. And she gives him half of it. Because she's like, you need, you seem to need this more than my parents do. And she even, knew her parents were shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, even that's really, really important, too. Ugh. Yeah. Spirited away. Uh, it's a good movie. So, so good. good. Watch it, please. 
please. What, what, what do you what do you have? <laughs> um, well, because I did this an hour before I was supposed to record. <laughs> because this is just the norm for me now. I do it right before we're supposed to record. Um, I didn't have time to think of something that actually related to honey and magic besides like that scene in Ponyo where she thinks honey is magic because it reminds her of her mother. Point being, not talking about Ponyo. We already did that. We already talked about Ponyo. <laughs> so I'm talking about another book because I lied to you. I had more. Oh. But I'm talking about the jet, the, the little, 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 little. I'm talking about The Desert Canticle by Tessa Gratton, which is a novella in a um, in a larger book. The book is called The Anatomy of Curiosity, and it has a story from Tessa Gratton. I can't remember her name. Brenna Voita or something. It's a name I can't just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's a name that I can't say very well. Brenna Yovanov. Yeah. Yovanov. Brenna Yovanov and then Maggie Seabotter. So this one is by Tessa Gratton. And the the whole point of this story besides like... So in the book... They each take um, something to do with writing and they expand on it. Like they write a short story to show how to expand on this thing to include it in writing. So hers was world building. And she does a really great job of it. It's fucking fantastic. I've read it like four or five times. I always go back to it. Sometimes I'll just be just chilling around and it will, I'll just remember it again and be like, wow, I should read it again. Because it's that, it's that good. But basically the basis of her story was she was reading a news article about IEDs in Iraq or Iran, Afghanistan. One of those three. And she, how do I explain it? She took that and put a magical spin on them because she wanted to dive deeper into the devastation they cause and why people would plant them and so on and so forth. And she put a magical spin on them. So they're magical IEDs. They're called flower bombs in the story itself. So you have rose bombs, which, um, are like cutting waves of magic. You have dandelion bombs, which are kind of like IEDs that have shrapnel in them. Similar, similar concept. And then you have wreaths, which for us would be like multiple IEDs connected together. When these IEDs go off, they like completely disturb the magical atmosphere in a place. Because um, the people who can utilize magic in this 
in this story are the Star Clan and the Star Clans and where they come from. And our main character's um, country does cannot use magic. It's not something they know how to utilize. They can't do it. They're not born with it. The Star Clan, the uh, refugees of the Star Clans, they band together with the main character's country to disassemble these bombs. So they have a pacer and a magician, like a mage, a pacer and a mage, and a, a team that helps with the disposal of the bombs. And you follow Raphael and Aneve as they go through and they're disassembling all these different bombs. And what you find out is that everybody kind of has magic, not just the Star Clans, but the Star Clans are the only ones who know how to utilize it. But Aneve is surprised when she finds out that Raphael, our main character, knows how to pick up on it, I guess. He's a... <clears throat> for, for the Star Clans, it's only women who can utilize magic and pick up on it, so on and so forth. So when she meets this pacer who is named the Gardener because he can... Well, like, he, he's called the Gardener because he uh, weeds out rebels. So he can find them no matter where they're hiding, no matter what they're doing. He can find them and he dispatches them. And that's why he's called the Gardener. Oh. <laughs> but the, the problem is, is nobody knows how he does this. He's the only one who knows how to, he does it. And then he ends up telling Aneve how he does it. And it's basically like the desert. He uh, searches for the differences in the magical fields just inherently. Point is, is this is about magical IEDs, and it's a really good story. You follow these two, and in the end, you know, it ends as stories do. They do this. They disassemble this wreath that nobody's been able to touch. People have died trying to disassemble it, so on and so forth. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fiction. <laughs> yeah. And they managed to do it. And, um... But they managed to do it after, like, an emotional IED goes off between them. Because... Uh-huh. For Raphael's country, there's a uh, very strict, like, gender system for them. The women are considered higher... They're the ones who run the politics. They're the ones who uh, run the households. They do all of these things because they're considered to be more uh, in control of their emotional bodies. And then the men, of course, they go to the military. They do the manual jobs, so on and so forth. And realistically, like... First sons are important, but second and third are not. Those are usually the ones who go to the military. And the first sons usually stick around to, you know, continue the populace. Oh. But in the Star Clans, it's more of a gender system that we know where 
the men run the like the men run the community. Uh, they're the ones that fight. And when Raphael sees like the way their system works, it's kind of very confusing for him because in their it in their society, men are placed above women essentially, and that just doesn't mix with his mindset. He's like, no, women are supposed to be above us. It doesn't make any sense. And later on, and later on in the story, you find out that um, you find out Anive is transgender. Because she was born a man, but she was born with magic, so she was moved to be raised with the women as a woman. And he doesn't understand that. He's like, why? You can't just, you know, elevate yourself from your whatever the fuck. I went on a whole rant. That that has nothing to do. <laughs> it does, because that's the whole, like, the whole... The... Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> How do I explain this in a proper way? You, you got it. You got it. <laughs> the the whole point of the story is how these like how the IEDs change the characters and change the world. And they're magical IEDs. I don't I don't know. I don't know how to read it. It's good. <laughs> I don't know how to explain this better. It's magic. It's magic. There's magic. There's a word that I want. (laughs) It's fantastical and great. That's it. It's fantastical and great. She did her job world building. She did. She really, really did. She used this one aspect and then created characters to show how it would change them. Anyway... That's what if you I want know. to hear more from us <laughs> and hear more obscure media. <laughs> You're right. It is obscure. I mean, we talk about a lot of anime as well, and a lot of people just don't do that. So That's fair. You're in it now. You're <laughs> in it with us. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram and Twitter just typing in and searching for Mixed Witches Podcast. Or you can shoot us an email, mixedwitchespodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Society6, which is also at Mixed Witches Podcast. Or you can visit us on our website, which is mixedwitchespodcast.squarespace.com. We there- finally have. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Months later. <laughs> we'll be eventually adding stuff to it, but... Yeah. Ooh, put some honey stuff on it. Mm. Let's put some essories. Ooh, I'll put that, like, honey cake recipe. Remember that one I made? Oh, my God. It was so good. <laughs> really good. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> hope you guys got something out of this. I know, like, our topics were short, and then our media was super long. <laughs> <laughs> but hope you guys got something. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll uh, see you next week. Bye. Bye. When you were young, our minds were getting faded. Did not appreciate all that they created. We're chasing after that witch's brew. Damn, 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 damn. Thinking more, but doing less. 
the test, y'all. Chasing after that witch's brew. Damn, 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 damn. Chasing after that witch's brew. You got nothing better to do, cause you're sailing down the easiest street again. Damn, X marks the spot, or is it O? Feeling so low, chasing after that witch's brew. Damn, 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 damn. Chasing after that witch's brew Damn, 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 damn. 